0: Kids, you can go ahead and head back through the open door there to Kids Church, so have a great time, and uh, that'll go about uh, about 30 minutes, and then parents at the end, if you would, kind of go right back there and pick them up uh, would, be, uh, would be great. Then get in your conversations and your chit-chats and all that kind of stuff would be great. Now, uh, every once in a while, somebody will ask me, they'll, they'll say, like, hey, did you, did you write that sermon for me? Because it kind of hits you a certain way that it might not hit somebody else, uh, and the truth is always, I, I say the same thing, like I never feel like it's appropriate for me to sit in my office and have God's Word open and be studying and think of you and think, I'm writing this to talk to Ray Mashinsky today, so wake up, I'm talking to you. You know, like I always feel like you get in God's Word and you let, you let the Spirit lead, you let God lead, and it is amazing how often that hits the broad segment of people. Why? Because we believe in the transformational power of the Word of God. So, Now, with this morning, though, I want to tell you that as we walk through this, this idea of how to evaluate your Christianity, uh, that this could be one that kind of hits you a certain way. And when I say hits you, I don't mean like gives you a loving you know, arm around you and says, Hey, buddy, you know, think about it. It may. But it might be one that really kind of hits, right? So I don't ever intentionally like write a sermon to step on your toes. Like that's not my style. That's not how I try to do it. So I'm not intentionally saying, I'm going to write this and we're going to be stepping on toes everywhere. All right. But, well, here we go this morning. So we're going to jump into it. And then I think God is going to convict your heart. And here's what I know, that when God speaks to your heart, there's something that kind of wells up a little bit inside of you. It can go two ways. One, it can make you kind of go like, oh, wow, that's me. God, and you know God speaking, or it can kind of make you come up and, you know, be like, yeah, that's right, that's right, and God, God can speak to your heart either way. Now, the, this is, is where we hear the amens from sometimes, you know, like I've been talking to you the last couple of weeks, you know, we're less in numbers, so looking to hear from you a little bit. Um, so, uh, let me just hear you give an amen this morning. Will you give me an amen? Amen. That's, that's pretty good, that's pretty good. How about one of those, you know, like, you know, you really get it like, oh, amen. Let me hear one of those. I can tell with some of you that it's the first time you've ever done that in in your life. So um, I want you to interact with the Lord and with the Spirit. For some of you, like, that's the freedom this morning to say, hey, you can be a little verbal. You know, amen, you know, that's right, Tom, love your shirt. Okay, just like that, you know, love your shirt, Tom, anything like that. You know, if you want to be a little vocal, but... Uh, If you're not vocal out loud, don't you dare be quiet in your spirit with what God is speaking to you about this morning, all right? So let's just jump into it. So thank you, family, for the amen there. appreciate that. So... Um, hey, I have realized, and you might know this already, that uh, I can't please everyone, right? Have you realized that with yourself? You can't please everyone? Now, I long ago realized that as as a pastor, I couldn't please everyone. Like, I, yeah, I'd look at the way different churches were doing things, and you can glean some important stuff, but like, I'm like, man, we need to do it that way, because that would, you know, that would connect with this segment of people, and we need to do kids like this, and then, no, we don't need to do that, and, all with this idea of kind of connecting or pleasing people. I, I've learned you'd never, you'll you never win that game. Never win it, right? We've learned in the last three or four months uh, that, that uh, we can't please everyone. And we certainly never as a pastor can please everyone. So what do we do about that? Well, God told me this week, clearly. He's probably spoke to you about this already. Um, but we, what we can do... Is we can continue to build into one another and challenge one another to walk with the Lord tightly and, and this was an important part of the, the and that God really shared, to be kingdom builders. It's not enough that we carry the name of Christian or Christianity, because that means all kinds of things in our world. But they, we are emphatic, intentional kingdom builders, People want to build the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. Remember that passage? And so when we walk through this, I want you to know, look, my end goal today is not so you can say, I'm this. The end goal is to ask yourself and evaluate yourself and your Christianity really what the question is, am I a kingdom builder? Am I ushering in the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven? That's the focus. That's the end goal. That's the game of this Christian life and this Christian walk. So let's just jump into it. You see three chairs up here. We're just going to talk about these three chairs. Now, if you notice this chair right here, you may have gone like, hey, that looks kind of familiar. We sat in those for like five years right at the uh, elementary school and do you remember the Sunday that I was like hey great news folks we're moving into our new church I just placed an order of 200 of these metal chairs for us to sit in when we get into new church right not a lot of amens flew up that day you know of course I was joking uh, at the time but these were the kind of chairs you know they got a little padding but you know right I mean that goes away fast you know and then um, this is what we're going to call today a first chair. I want you to tell you what a first chair represents. A first chair is this. It is a Christian that is fully committed to the direction and the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, notice how we're saying it. Fully committed to the direction and authority. We're not saying sold out to Jesus Christ. When we use that term sold out, we often are thinking in terms of emotional passion, you know, or effort. I want to be more broad. I want to talk about in terms of commitment. That's the key word. That in your life, there is this commitment and this devotion. It is within you and who you have become to be under the direction and the authority of Jesus Christ. That's what we're gonna call a first chair, all right? And then we have this next chair. Um, now, this isn't your cushy recliner, but this is a, l- a little nicer. The, the, the chair backing is a little better. You probably have this kind of chair at your kitchen table. We do. I took it from my kitchen table. So, you know, this, I took it from our kitchen table. Sorry. Okay, so uh, this is our second chair. This is what this second chair represents. This is a Christian who's unsure of how much to surrender to Jesus Christ. They're unsure. They're not sure how far they want to go with these things. I mean, it sounds really good on certain times. It doesn't sound as good on other times. Like, I'm going to be gung-ho, and I get fired up in moments. I get other times where I'm like, phew, stupid. I'm not doing that. You know, I mean, we go back and forth. This is a Christian who's unsure of how much they want to surrender. There's actually a mingling here. If you picked up on the first one, uh, there's a commitment to this devotion and authority of Jesus Christ. Here, there is a commitment as well. There's a commitment to God and there's a commitment to Christ. But sandwiched in with it is also a commitment to self. And there's this balancing act that's going on at times of trying to like, I, wanna, I love God and we speak in those terms, but there is this filtering through self as well. And that's the second chair. Now, this third chair, um, that's nice, too. Um, this is, comes from our, our uh, a patio, and it's a, a wicker chair. And what you know about a wicker chair, it, it, they're nice and comfy, and they look nice, and they probably cost way more than you would think, you know, weave together wood would cost like this. But... Um, but this is, is going to represent a, a, a person who has not said yes to Jesus Christ. They've not made a decision to follow Jesus Christ yet. That would be this third chair. Now, the reason I grabbed wicker is because it is comfy and nice and we lounge on it on our porch. But sometimes you sit in wicker and it sounds like it's breaking as you're sitting into, in it as well. So like there's this comfort here, but it's not as confident in as we sometimes think this is. And all these are going to come into play as we walk through this this morning. First chair, second chair, third chair. Now, you can probably grasp right away, like, where are we going with this, right? Where are we going? And probably you're going to ask the question, what chair do you think you're in? How would you evaluate yourself based on this? Now, don't be too hasty. I don't want you to evaluate yet. I want to walk through a little bit of God's Word. I want to walk through what the difference is in first, second, and third based on certain areas of things we call the Christian life. So, Wait till that point, till we get to the end there, before you kind of process where you see yourself there. If we look in God's Word, we actually see uh, some characters. Joshua would be one in the Old Testament. A significant, very, very strong passage. If you've been about men's ministry at all, we always draw to Joshua, you know, and we read about the strength of Joshua. Listen to what it says in in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. But if serving the Lord—this is Joshua speaking— seems undesirable for you, then choose yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestor beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in the land whom you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. What's happening there? In that passage right there, Joshua is saying, I'm a first chair person, right? He's saying like, I'm going to be committed. My devotion is going to be to follow God. That's where I'm putting my devotion first and foremost. And he says to them, hey, choose whom you're going to serve. You know, whether these other gods uh, that you've had, you know, if you're going to mix them up, you know, those God and a little bit with God, and you're going to be a second chair, or choose if you're going to say, look, this doesn't make any sense to me. I'm going over here. You know, but he's saying, look, choose. What chair are you going to be sitting in? As for me, my household, where I have this, this uh, ability to lead, to put my hands on influencing others, I'm going to sit right here. That's what Joshua is declaring. Well, you might know the story. We don't have time to work through all the history, but just the next generation, the dominant feature was more of this mix and match uh, in here. And just a couple generations down the road, we actually find this rejection of God. You know, that, uh, and, and so it happened like that quick. This choice going down. You might know some other characters. David. Do you remember him? Was David a sinner? No doubt. All right. Um, in fact, some of you are like, man, I'm am a bad sinner when I came to know Jesus Christ. You probably didn't like kill somebody, right? Or or you probably didn't, you know, have that person's wife over, you know, and uh, have a baby with that person, then send them to the front line so you can do away with. That probably didn't happen. Right? That was David. So a mess in many ways. But we find that David has this incredible restoration story, and he's described as a man after God's own heart. More than once in Scripture, we actually find it in 1 Samuel 13, the Lord has sought after a man after God's own heart and appointed him ruler of the people. That was the reason David was installed in the first place, was because he was a man after God's own heart. Now, we see the full potential of this at that restoration time. And it's also a wonderful story that if you're here today and you're broken, if you've blown it in life, if you're like, man, I was following God and then I blew it hard, there is beautiful restoration in the Lord. Now, it was a journey for David, and it'll be a journey for you, but it is there. David is declaring there, a man after God's own heart. First, I'm going to be fully devoted. I'm going to follow God in that way. Even first-chair Christians will blow it sometimes. But your devotion sits in the authority of Jesus Christ. That's this first chair. But we know that uh, if you just go to Solomon, just David's son, what do you get? You get this mixing. You know, Solomon, clearly, if you want to take all the passages about Solomon that connect him to God or even to some type of devotion to God, it looks pretty good. You could go like, man, Solomon really, really loved God. He really did some stuff for God. But you would be leaving out also a lot of passages where he let these outside influences, the other religions of the many, 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 many wives that he took and concubines that he took, the religions that he brought in that were an influence on him as well, just even some of the cries of the people that were an influence on him. And when you mix that together, you go like, oh, yeah, I can see how he was here. And that's how it works sometimes in our life. That if we read the one passage of our life, the one season, the one period, or maybe that one area that we're walking with the Lord in, we go, I'm locked in. But we put it next to somebody else and we're like, man, there's this inconsistency here. There's still an area of my life that needs full devotion and surrender to Jesus Christ. And so Solomon is a great biblical example of this middle chair. Now, you might know Solomon. In fact, some biblical scholars, when they look back, they say, like, he was the biggest failure in the Bible. Some would describe him that way. And the root of it was this, trying to mix these two, trying to say I'm fully devoted to God, but I'm also have myself that I filter everything, or if not just me self, my, my little circle here, his was a big circle of wives but, and their religions, but trying to mix these things together. And, of course, you might uh, know just another generation, Rehoboam, that we actually find. Uh, let, let me read you about Solomon here. I'm sorry, I jumped ahead to that passage. First Kings 11.4. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. Then we get to Rehoboam, and and we actually see a further removal. This is what it says in 1 Kings 12.8. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him. These were the godly leaders leading him in God's ways. They were well-versed in what God wanted them to do. And he consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving with him. So over here, he said, look, I'm not interested. I don't want to hear from you guys. He pulled around him the yes people, you know, just the friends and the buddies. And, and I know every once in a while you have a friend who will really speak hard truth into you. But a lot of times if we only go to our friends, we get to hear what we want to hear, right? You know, our friends say, hey, it's okay, man. Hey, you deserve that trip. You take it. You know, kind of that, that kind of conversation, right? That's what he did. That's where he decided to live. And it's no wonder that he rejected God. Entirely. First, second, third chair. You can see how this works out. Look, your head's spinning, I hope already, where you're starting to, to ask yourself, like, where does this work out for me? It's not as clean as you think, but we'll keep processing. Let's just ask a question in a few areas of these things of our Christian life how does this first, second, and third work out? How about our relationship to God? That's how we talk all the time, right? I mean, we talk in terms of I have a relationship or I have a personal relationship with God. God or with Jesus Christ. How does that work out for first, second, and third? Well, first-chair Christians, they would be described as people with a devoted heart. You know what a devoted heart is, right? That is a heart that you're like, everything I do, it seems like that thing slips into the conversation, slips into the action. Like I interpret everything based on that. like, Like when a young person has that new love in their life, right? It is amazing how many times that person's name or the, what they just did slips into the conversation. It's just in there all the time. are like, man, you really like this person, right? Like you can t- see this forming of devotion. But in our Christian life, it's more than just that. It's our actions. It's our priorities. It's where we go, what we do. A first Chair, relationship to Jesus Christ is about commitment. It asks this question, is this pleasing to God? Is this pleasing to God? That's a question way up here to say, is this pleasing to God? Like in my relationships, how I'm interacting with this person, is it pleasing to God? Like with this wallet, you know, what I'm doing with it, is this pleasing to God? The next step in my life, considering a move, a a job transfer, uh, anything like that, is this pleasing to God? That's a significant high question first-chair Christians ask. Second-chair Christians, this is more of a divided heart because we want to be fully devoted to God, and we speak in those terms. But we also, at times, it sneaks in where we're devoted to ourselves, and we interpret it through here. So it's divided heart. You know, someday God just has it full tilt, other day God doesn't have it the same way. So if I ask myself, hey, what's number one in your life? I like you, knee jerk, is I'm gonna say Jesus Christ. Oh, Jesus is number one, right? He's number one. Because we know that's the right way to answer. But when we start processing our life, these things actually surface and we see that our heart gets divided. Here's the question that they ask not is this pleasing to God? If I'm sitting in this chair, I ask, is this overtly sinful? Like is this sin? If it's not sin, if I can't put a sin verse next to it, it's okay to do. You know, I'm going to go right up to the edge, right up to the edge and tip over. Chris and I were on the roof yesterday and we were cleaning the storm drain. When you have to kind of look over the edge to clean that storm drain out, that's what we do in this chair. Right up to the edge, we ask: Is this is this wrong? Is this so wrong to do? And if I can answer the question, no then I'm okay to stand right here and be right here. See, the first chair is saying, is this pleasing to God? Second chair isn't so concerned about the pleasing to God. They're asking, did I break any rule? Did I break any law? And if I didn't, I'm good. Whereas God's word actually teaches us, no, we want to do everything pleasing to God. And so you can see this, this back and forth in that chair, of course, a third chair is, is a dead heart. Spiritually speaking, a third chair, is, it, the heart is dead from a, a, a situation of claiming Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. doesn't mean they don't probably have love in their life. They don't care for people. You know, they probably take care of their puppies and things like that, right? But spiritually speaking, this heart is dead. Why is this important? If every single one of you this morning is wrestling one and two, right? Maybe you are. Why, I mean, why are we even wasting time here? Because it's guaranteed you interact with people every single day who sit in this chair, who don't know Jesus Christ. And guess what? They're not sitting here this morning. What does that mean? That means you are called to go out and to share Jesus Christ with these people, to go out and share. And so uh, the relationship with Christ, our God, that's number one. But let's look at a few, uh, kind of narrow the cone here. How about interaction with God's word, your Bible, right? I see that Bible open, all right? So that's extra credit points for you. See me on the way out. So, yeah. The Bible, interaction with God's word. Here's what a first-chair Christian says. says, I'm going to obey God's word. Like, if God's word teaches it, I'm going to do it. If I read God's word and God's word says, hey, love your enemy, I'm going to say, oh, hate it. I'll do it, God, you know? That's hard, God. I'll do it, God. It trusts God's word. And every time, like, I'm just amazed on this, that the more I put these things into practice, even the things that are hard, I find significant joy in them. Or I find how much it blesses somebody else that I'm willing to trust in the Lord. Or, in addition, how many people in this chair will take a walk because I'm obeying God's word or following God's word. That's what a first-tier Christian says. I'm going to follow and obey God's word. That means you're going to study and you're going to interpret God's word. That means you're not just going to follow social media memes about God's word, all right? Those are junk. It's junk theology. I'm going to open up God's word and I'm going to read God's word myself and take it in and study I love that I get to do this every week. In fact, one of you said, man, Tom, you're, you're fortunate. You get to get up there and take your mask off. And I was like, hey, you're on next week. You can preach if you, you, know, you want to get up there. But we didn't get very far with that. I, I, I love being able to study this because there's so much that I get to study about David and Solomon that like, I can't bring and talk to you because we can't go three hours, right? And so it leaves on the cutting room floor. But guess where it stays? It stays right in here for me. And it does the same for you if you would study and interpret and read God's Word and apply it. A second-chair Christian, you know, you respect God's Word here. I respect God's Word. You know, that's significant. It's important. You respect it. Probably, probably own a Bible, probably have a Bible app, right? It may not even be on the third page of your apps. It may be up close. I don't know. But you would say, I respect God's Word. But a lot of times, in what a second Christian sh- struggles with, is we say things like, I really respect you. I really respect that but, right? You throw the but in on the end. And it's like, look, I really respect you. I don't want to like, you know, I'm not trying to like, you know, poo-poo what you're saying, you know, kick you to the curb. I'm not trying to say that, but I can't go with that. I can't follow that. Now, I'm 20. I'm 20. I'm 47, right? So I've been married 24 years um, so there's some stuff, like I can turn to my in-laws, my father-in-law is here today, or my parents, and I can say, look, you know I love and respect you. Shree and I probably aren't going to put that into practice in our marriage or in our parenting, and that's okay, right? But when we look at God's word and we say, hey, God, really respect you, really love you, but I don't know about that forgiveness thing. I'm not sure about that. I'm going to kind of put that on the side. I'm not sure about that love your enemy thing. I'm definitely not sure about that tithe thing. You know, I'm going to put all those on the side. And, um, but, you know, I'll be in church, and I will sing my praises, and I'll, I'll do some of these things that God's word teaches us. But there's still areas of our life where we respect but can't follow. Obviously, a third person here, they probably own a Bible, right? They have a Bible, Um, They may not even like hate it. They may even find some good, creative things to post every once in a while on their social media. But the Bible, God's Word doesn't have any authority to them. It's another source that they might draw to. No authority. So God's Word. What about values? Our values in our life, how do they work out? Listen, first chair comes from God first. Our values are established and set up by God first if we're in a, a, a first chair. You know, that means... We long for this lifestyle of holiness. That's a phrase that we've kind of backed away from because we're afraid it's legalistic to say a life of holiness. But a life of holiness is simply what we said in David. It is a man after God's heart, a woman after God's heart. That is desiring a life of holiness. Why? Because God is holy. So if I want to be like him, then I'm, I'm striving for this. There's where my values come come they come from God first in a second share they come from God and other sources so there's like this intermingling of things we don't even realize we're doing it at times where we kind of intermingle we might be influenced on Sunday morning today but we might be influenced by a gene commercial this afternoon we don't even realize it's even happening since God has not been securely fashioned as the number one thing that I interpret all of my values through these type of things kind of slip in and these things slip in, and when they slip in, like we talked about in the baggage series, some of them just latch on hard, and they don't want to let go at all. Over here, um, they're going to mostly get theirs through, through society, through culture, all right? media, things like that is where most of the influence is going to come, and the values are going to come over here. And we can see that. And listen, we're in the minority as Christians in America if we want to hold Biblical values. And guess what? It's okay. It's okay. God's called us to that. There's blessing in it. And I believe if we live it out with joy, there's influence in it for somebody who's sitting down in the third chair that we love and want to see come to know Jesus. How about your career? First chair person, they see their career as God's calling. Calling. That means that even if you're in a season of life right now where you're like, this is not what i want to do for the next 20 years. for that period that you're there, that 6 months, that year, whatever it may be, this is god's calling. he's put you in this place. you have the opportunity to carry out god's will and how you do your job, how you interact with other people, you know, how you're a blessing, you know, how well you do for the company. you see that in this period of my life this is a calling until god opens up a door and st- sends me on. So you can see it's a kingdom-building type of mentality. Over here, we see it as God's blessing. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, we should declare the blessings of God. Nothing wrong with that at all. But if we only stay where we say, this is God's blessing on me, God has blessed me with this job, God has blessed me here, can you see how many times the me and we kind of stay right here? And we can stop short of using that job and that platform for a kingdom-building value. Over here, it simply goes to our skill set, our ability, or luck, you know, which we know. You throw your resume out, and sometimes it's just a matter of luck, it feels like, that it lands on the right person, the right person reads it. That's what they have to draw on over here. That's in our career. How about in our marriages? This is an interesting one, and I'll just say up front, um, it takes two in this one, right? It takes two tracking the same way, or it can be a mess and run awry, but Uh, Two people in the first chair in marriage, they view this as a covenant. They've declared covenant before God, and they're going to live out covenant. And when you make covenant, you declare what you will do, and you do it. That's covenant. In a second chair, we view this uh, more as contract. And the way contract works is, I will do if you do. There's this back and forth. So if you stop doing, well, then I will stop doing, and then... I can break a contract because you breached the contract, and so I can now break the contract, or we, I, we can move on. We kind of view it in this way. So many believers have mixed our culture with what God's saying, and this is where we end up. This is where we landed in the middle. We hope, we have hope in our vows that we will stay united and connected before God. But sometimes when we view it as a contract or one of the two view it as a contract, we see these things break up. And again, in marriage, it's two people. So it's a little trickier than the other categories that we've talked about. And then we get over here. It's a convenience. You, you could do it. You don't do it. You can live together, then do it. Um, you know, you could never get married. It's, it's your convenience, whatever you choose here. You know, we're not tracking with what God's word and how God's word speaks about marriage. So we see our culture that they kind of do it however uh, they want, and then finally, uh, how about parenting? Um, some of you uh, are parents of little ones or teens right now in the first chair, we actually this is interesting you're gonna, your first knot is going to be Mm-mm. we actually parent with confidence here in this first chair now it doesn 't mean it 's easy it doesn 't mean there 's not times where you 're like hey so and so get down here right now, you know, and we have those times. But you're actually parenting with confidence because the manual has been set in front of you. God has taught you. First of all, he's told you, you be close to God. You be growing in your Christian walk. Then you you build into your kid. You spill it all into them, what you've been learning and you've been teaching, right? You learn how then to parent. We actually find things in God's word where it teaches us how to parent. And you walk forward in confidence. And then you say, even if my kid pushes back against this i know the seed i've planted in them i know they're going to be loved and cared for and i know and i'm going to pray that one day they return to it with just a full embrace so we walk with more confident a 1st chair christian recognizes as a parent you are the primary one responsible to build into your kids you're not the only but you are the primary you own that role You know that your time with the kids throughout the week will will never be the same as how much time they can spend in church. So you got to leverage all that time to build Jesus Christ into your kids. Over here, can I just say this is the dominant feature of American Christianity, the second chair parenting Christian. Falling into this, we've allowed this kind of almost consumeristic view to sneak into this where we ask, what does that church have for my kids? What do they have for my youth? Now, there's not anything inherently wrong with asking that question, all right? But what we do, and it's very sneaky, even sometimes these solid Christian families, it's very sneaky, so be on guard. We start to let the programs, the kids' programs, the, the youth program, the youth pastor, the kids' pastor, we start to let them be given the primary role to build Jesus Christ into our kids. Listen, I just want to be honest with you. We have incredible youth pastors uh, in our denomination, in the contemporary church, you know, um, credible children's pastors, kids workers, you know, no doubt, no doubt. And they do an awesome job. They will never be given the same tools that you as a parent have to build Jesus Christ into your kids at home. They need to be a supplement to you, they need to be a support to you and to help you in the process. Don't lean on them for all of it. Every once in a while, I'll talk, and, and I don't want to pick on your dads, but sometimes it's, it's, it's more dads than moms. I'll talk to a dad, and I'll find a dad is passionate about certain subjects, whatever it may be. They're passionate about mechanics, and they're building that into their son, or, or you know, my daughter, it doesn't matter. They're building that into, or they're passionate about politics, and they're building that into their kids, or they're passionate about, you know, just go on and on the list. And then I ask him about how they're building Christ into their kids. And sometimes, often, they're like, I just, I don't feel like I know enough. I don't really feel confident in, in teaching my kid, I, in sitting down with the Bible and being able to answer questions. And can I just tell you, you know, what I feel when I hear that? I'm like, why, why the heck not? Why would we not be able to do that? Probably because we're not doing it and letting God build into us so we don't have anything to spill out. This is, this is hurting, uh, I don't want to say greater than anything else, but it's up on the list. Here, second chair Christians, uh, turning it over to other people. And the third chair uh, a Christian over here, uh, this is, they're a little more confused. Not always confused, um, but they'll have a strategy. They'll pull together bits and pieces from different areas. Um, but I think it was Mike Tyson that once said, you know, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Uh, and so there's this, when life comes and punches you, then you start to see, is this wicker really holding? It's creaking and cracking. Uh, you know, is this really going to hold me? And they start to wonder, and there's confusion that comes up. They don't have the same confidence that this first chair person. Here's the takeaway this morning. Um, I want you to look at these chairs, and I need to share with you something before I ask you a couple questions. The gap between this chair and this chair is enormous they look so dramatically different both are christians both have that title both have that testimony you know they went they both maybe went to youth camp and made a commitment to follow jesus christ this gap is enormous it looks so different this gap is very small they're not both christians this gap is small. It looks similar. You almost sometimes, in some areas, can put these chairs right on top of each other and you can't quite tell them apart. So, let me ask you a couple questions this morning. First, is uh, which chair do you think has more stressed out people? This chair? I mean, it, it, G- Jesus three, maybe? All right. This chair right here. Um, so, two, uh oh, we got, we got dueling friends back here. Oh. Um, but right here, like, we we. Say, I mean, the Christian life can be hard. I mean, what does Jesus Christ offer us when we come to know him? He says, My burden's light, but he sure does say there'll be sacrifice. He doesn't say it's going to be roses. We find that first three centuries, Christianity was incredibly hard, but it grew like gangbusters, right? It's not this chair. When you walk with the Lord, no matter how difficult it might be, there is a sweet confidence that you're walking in. It's hard. You might have times of grief, pain, confusion, but you're walking knowing you're walking with the Lord. My friend Chris over here has been a testimony the last few years. With all he's dealt with in the last few years, which we don't have time to walk through, and yet and yet, this morning he sits as a man, Grounded, concrete in his faith in Jesus Christ. That's that's first chair. Sure. That's what we're talking about here. Um, I don't. Th- I look over here and I think these people aren't overly stressed. I mean, things of life hurt them, and and I, I mean they have stresses just the same way. I mean, they're figuring out how to pay their you know their mortgage and their kids things, and you know they probably extend themselves more you know just the same as anyone else, and they deal with these type of things. But it's not like they have this this uh, path of God's word that's telling them you should live this way. And so, but you come to the middle here, there's this constant balancing act. This is constant, you know, am I doing, am I doing this right here? You know, oh, I'm not doing this right here. Oh, the pastor's sermon there. I'm not doing that, you know. And, and there's this constant feeling in here. I disappointed, I let down God here. I did, that's what it is in the middle when we are trying so hard to say I'm devoted to Christ, but we know there's so many areas I'm devoted to self as well. Another question for you this morning. Which chair will your kids up, end up in? This is amazing. This, this I, 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 Years ago, I learned this study, and, and when I was reading it, it was, it was pretty baffling. It comes from uh, the Barna Research Group that basically said this. That if you're a first chair Christian, they didn't use the the, the Christian the, the first chair terms, but they basically said, look, if you're a family that's devoted and committed to Jesus Christ, to being in church was one of the contexts that they were using. If you're devoted to say, look, we're in church every week, like like if we're not on vacation, you know, or like we don't we don't just take a Sunday off because we're tired or you know, IHOP's got two for one or you know, like we we just don't take we. Even when we go on vacation, we kind of look for a little church that we could pop into, you know, and then we hit the beach after that. church. Like That most likely, about 85% chance that your kids will grow up with that same mentality of being in church, you know. And so think about that in other areas of a first chair Christian's life and how that influences and goes to the kids. Now, same is true over here that... Most likely, if you're living away from God and, you, you know, you don't have any interest in God and God doesn't appear in your life and that's not an influence on how you do anything, pretty good chance your kids will grow up and it'll be the exact same thing, Right? So um, that would make sense to us, and we see that all the time. Then you, sometimes God breaks into somebody's life. That's why youth groups and kids' ministry are so vitally important that kids come and they hear the hope of Jesus Christ. Or we hear about a college student that ends up, you know, at a Campus Crusade for Christ or something, and they come to know Jesus Christ and those amazing things like that, you know. But this person right here, This kid grew up in church. This kid grew up popping into youth group. You know, probably regular to start. This kid has a profession. It probably happened young that they came to know Jesus Christ. There's pictures of their baptism. The pastor baptized them, you know. They might have been six or seven years old. There's still a Bible in the home. It's read sometimes. There's still prayer before every meal. But this kid right right here has just picked up on the idea that his parents always waver back and forth, and they've interpreted that as, I'm going to be committed to God unless there's something else that I need to do, unless there's travel ball that week, unless there's, you know, uh, another place to be, unless I'm a little tired, that's talking in church phrase, unless... I, I'm just really angry this, this moment, and so I don't have to follow God. Unless that person really ticked me off. Unless, and we just keep going down the list here. And that kid actually interprets those things that they're seeing. And so as a parent, you might be kind of hanging on here in a second chair. Guess where your, par- your kid ends up? Most likely, they end up, about 60 plus percent of the time, they end up down here. They walk away from it all. They don't find the value in it at all. That's a struggle. And that's sad for us. And that's why we have to evaluate. So here's the question that we started with at the beginning an uh, evaluating our Christian walk is which chair are you in? Like honestly, what chair are you in? Now it's not as concrete as saying, you know, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Like if you're in the middle, there might be some times where you're like, I don't know, you know, like I sway back and forth. So for some of you, listen, you might be saying, I think I think I'm here. I think I'm like a 1.5, you know, right in the middle here. Maybe some days I'm a 1.7, you know, but I'm kind of right in here. Now, I told you at the beginning, I don't write purposely to step on toes, but let me just be blunt here. Let me help you out if you're struggling with what chair you're in. If you're here, you're here. That's the bottom line. If you're here, you're here, because it's only just a gradual slip into this. Here we have to start with completely. It'd be like this. Though some of you, you know, you, you love mechanic stuff. If I were to take and I needed to add a quart of oil to my car, and I'd say, I'm going to add three quarters of oil and I'll add a quarter of sand. I'm going to pour that in. I mean, I have 75% oil, right? I mean, that is a pretty good. Now, those of you who, who knows what's about to happen, it's, it, it's going to be a little rough in your car, right? Or let's say you just say, I'm just going to go with the 75% oil and we'll go 25% air, nothing, right? Um, maybe you slide a wrong for a little while and you're okay, you know, but eventually, assuming your uh, check oil light works, mine does not in my truck, uh, eventually, it's going to let you know, hey, something's wrong, something's amiss here. You're low, you need to look at this, you know, give this attention. But when you go full tilt, need need a quart of oil? We're going with a quart of oil. You're solid, right? That's how it works here. That we say, look, I'm going to order my days, my steps, my thoughts, my actions to be fully devoted to following Jesus Christ. Fully devoted and be a first chair Christian. Listen to this. Self-focused Christians, that's the second chair, will never impact a broken world. You'll never do it. A second chair Christian just can't collectively impact this whole broken world that we're in. We have to be first chair Christians. So, a little action step. If you're a first chair Christian, um, so um, I'm sorry, if you're a third chair Christian this morning... Uh, I've got my chairs off there, so disregard. If you're a third chair, receive God's gift of Jesus Christ. That's what we need to do. And that's why you and I need to be first chair, because we need to be offering Jesus Christ to others. That's what a third chair Christian needs. What does a second chair Christian, or first chair Christian, need? They need to re up. Re up. Listen, first chair Christians, you're doing it, you're living it out. Re up for another tour. God needs you even more. Go right back out. You know? I mean my my father in law's in his mid eighties, right? He's doing everything every day to get back on the mission field in the Philippines. We're all going like, what? Why you know, it's time to kind of hunker down and stay home, right? You know? So and no, they're they're ready to go re-up, right? Re-up for another tour, Christians. God still needs you. He still needs you to be a first-chair Christian out there influencing other people. And can I give you—listen, I know, first-chair Christians, you're often really passionate about reaching these people. Keep doing it. First-chair Christians, can I challenge you to gain a passion to reach these people? To gain a passion to speak into people that are second-chair Christians and to raise them up for something more in their Christian life. Second-chair Christians, it's time to repent of anything that prevents you from being a first-chair Christian. Just repent from that, if there be anything. Remember we said before, repent is not always centered around the word sin, right? It certainly incorporates sin, repent from sin, run from sin, we know that. But it is broader than that. Anything that hurts your walk with God, repent, turn away from it. Even if you wouldn't look at that and not call that sin, but you know it affects your relationship with God, repent of that and turn from that. What chair are you in? Hey, I'm going to pray for you. I went a little long, sorry, and uh, let me pray for you and then I'll briefly share what's going on, Uh, but let me just give you an opportunity to respond to God as we pray. So let's bow. Father, thank you for this morning and for your word. Father, I want you to be very clear for every person in here as they ask the question right now, what chair are you in? Be very clear. And then now, if you're willing and ready just to make commitment to God. God, I want to make commitment to move to a first chair. I want to make commitment to make you a priority and to devote myself fully under your authority. I pray in your son's name. Amen. So